Well, I said it's good to be here this morning. It's, it's good to be back from our vacation. Enjoyed our time. Appreciate you all uh, affording us that and appreciate the guys filling in the pulpit for me, Matt and Chris, last week. Appreciate you guys uh, doing that. And we had a great time. My first time in Alaska, and uh, everybody said, you're going up in the worst time of the year. It's cold up there. Uh, but uh, it was beautiful the whole time. Um, the, uh, it was cooler than here for sure, um, but it wasn't unbearably cold. And we got to see some uh, really cool things and, and got to see the northern lights. Uh, enjoyed that. I got to go to Brad and Stephanie's wed- Bradley and Stephanie's wedding and uh, praise the Lord for just a, a very God-honoring wedding service. And it was a beautiful service and, and uh, it was a blessing to me. And so, uh, enjoyed our time, and uh, I recommend it. Go up in November. Go up when, when the frost is on the trees. It's really pretty, um, and uh, maybe you'll get a clear night and see the northern lights. Um, but uh, we got to see just the power of God again. <laughs> They're waving the sign back there to me, turn on the mic. I had an orange light instead of a green light, so I was paused. Anyway, uh, really glad to be home. We miss you all when we're gone, and, and uh, we're in some good churches there in, in uh, Fairbanks and North Pole both, uh, but we miss our own, uh, certainly do, each time we're gone, and so it's great to be here. Turn your Bible to Hebrews chapter 10. The passage that Lee read this morning, or earlier, just a little bit earlier, 19 through 25 is going to be our text this morning. I titled the message, Let Us, Not the Salad, Let Us. <laughs> uh, it's the two words, not one. And uh, that's a short little title this morning, but I want to look at three times in our passage we see this, Let Us. We are told to, it says, Let Us Draw Near. Let us hold fast and let us consider. I want to look at those three things this morning. Uh, three commands. It's not, it's not suggestions. These are commands. We're told to do this in the Word of God. And uh, we're told why. I, that's why I'm starting in 19. We're, 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 we're going to see the salvation in our high priest and what Christ did for us. And then we're told, all right, because of that, let us do these things. Because of who He is. Let us do these things. Verse 19 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God. So by this new and living way which Christ did for us through His blood, by sacrificing Himself, I now have access to the Father. Those three verses are so powerful. We have boldness to enter into the holiest. That's into the presence of God by the blood of Jesus Christ because of His sacrifice. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have no access because sin has no place in the presence of God. But by the blood of Jesus Christ, you can accept Him as your Savior this morning. And you'll be clothed in in His righteousness, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, and the Bible says then have boldness to enter into the holiest. We can go to the presence of God because of Jesus Christ, because of His shed blood. 
Verse 23, 22 says, Then let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as ye see the day approaching. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time this morning. I praise you for your word. Praise you for your love. What were we saying about it just a minute ago? It's never changing. It's always uh, constant. Lord, you love us. You, you watch over us. Your mercies are new every morning. It is because of your mercy we're here this morning. It's because of your grace we can assemble and study your word. We praise you for that. Father, use the words that I say this morning, use your word, all that's done in the next few minutes to draw us closer to you. Lord, we want your, li- your life, your light to shine through us. Lord, we need your spirit for that. We need your, your power this morning. Guide in all that's done. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So he says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest, because of Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm able to access the Father this morning. you understand the, the significance of that statement? It's so easy to say, and, we, and it just rolls off the tongue, and do we can stop and think about what that really means? When Moses, when Moses encountered the burning bush in the, in the Old Testament there, as he's walking along, he sees this bush burning, and he says, Things not burning up, and he stopped and he looked at it. And God spoke to him out of that bush and said, Take the shoes off that you're wearing because you're standing on holy ground. He took his shoes off. Why? Because he was in the presence of God. We now are clothed in the robes of righteousness by the blood of Jesus Christ that we can access that throne. We can walk into the Holy of Holies into the presence of God, my Creator, the one who spoke this world into, into place. We take it way too lightly most of the time that, that we now have that access. What a great privilege that is. If you had access to the White House and you could go and visit the President at any time, you wouldn't take that lightly. You would look at that as a great honor that very few people have. Wow, I'm going to go and, and sit down and, and speak face-to-face with the President of the United States. We would consider that to be something to be cherished. What about the presence of God? What about walking up to your Heavenly Father? Does it make the hair on your neck stand up a little bit? It does mine right now as I think about it. I have access to the Father. I take it for granted because I've had that access for so long. I've been saved nearly 30 years. If he was standing right here, it would be different. If I could see him bodily, I have a feeling we, I know without a doubt we'd all be on our faces before him. So he says, having therefore, brethren, this access... 
this, this great privilege. Let us do these things. Let us draw near. Draw near. How often do we really take advantage of the access that we have to the Father? How much time did we spend with Him this week? It shows us how much we really value it. If you, if you prayed before your meal, and that was all this week, if you've opened your Bible this morning for the first time, you don't really value the presence of God. He says, because of this access, let's go near. It's pretty simple. Let's draw near. And then there's some stipulations to this drawing near, some things that we have to look at. He says, draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Full assurance of faith. So a true heart, no hypocrisy, no, no false uh, motives, but a true heart of faith. I'm going to my Father because I depend upon Him. I'm going to my Father because I love Him. I'm going to my Father because I know that He is able and no one else is. That's a true heart of faith. I have no self-reliance. I just want to go to the Father. I need Him. I have to have this presence in my life, and I know when I go, He'll always be there. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. <coughs> 6 through 13. Verse 6 says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what God gives us. That's the presence of God. A, a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. In the presence of God, there is no fear then, right? God doesn't give us those things. I can tell you right now, if you're living in fear, from the authority of the Word of God, not from my intellect, but from the Word of God, if you're living in fear, you're not living in the presence of God. In His presence is a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Now he goes on, he says, I, don't, I didn't mean to preach that verse this morning. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me His prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Wherefore, I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause also I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Verse 12 is an amazing verse. Consider it. When I enter into the presence of God, I go to him through the blood of Jesus Christ, but I go to Him because I know whom I believed. I know that my Father is Almighty God. That's what that means. And I know that He's able to keep me. 
I know that He's able to preserve my life, to use me. He's the source of my life, the source of my strength. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. That means there's not a doubt in my mind. I know I'm persuaded. I've been completely convinced that He is able. I love the statement, He is able. I've preached on it a few times. It's an amazing statement in the Word of God to me. He is able to keep that which I've committed. My life then, which I committed to Him back in 1992, I know that He is able to keep it until I'm in His presence someday. That's going to the Father in full assurance of faith. I go to Him because He is the source. I I need Him then. And in that presence, there's peace. In that presence, there's strength. Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I love this verse too. Paul is writing to the, the believers in Philippi, and he says this about them, or about God concerning them, being confident of this very thing, that with he, that being God, which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Christ. As I consider faith, I look at, we look at ourselves and we see our flaws and we see the work that needs done. There's so much that needs done. I fail him in so many things, and Satan can beat me over the head with those things. You failed him again. You failed him again. He's got to be getting tired of what you are doing in your life. One of these days, he's going to kill you for that. Why do you keep doing that? This is the things that Satan does to us. Now, the Bible says in 1 John, if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me those sins. And that I can go back to Him every single time. And He will always, faithful, never fail. And just because He's able. Because He's God. He's sat, he is the one that can forgive sins. That He'll always do it. This verse says, My confidence is this very thing. That He which began the work, He that saved me 28 years ago, He started a work in my life when I was 13. He's going to perform it until the day of Christ. Till the day I die on this earth or till the day of the rapture and I'm taken out. One or the other. Till I'm in His presence. He's going to continue to perfect in my life those things that He needs. Or those things that He desires for me. And for you. So go to His presence in full assurance of faith knowing that He redeemed you, knowing that He's going to keep you, knowing that He's working to perfect you. And in His presence, there's fullness of joy. In His presence, there's a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a sound mind. Christians, we should have a sound mind. Thankful for peace in the mind. So back in our passage, He says, let us draw near with Faith, he also says, draw near with our hearts clean, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. It says in in Second Corinthians, no, it's in Psalm sixty six eighteen, that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If there's known sin in your life, 
the access is closed. He's not going to listen. So we have to have a clean heart. All of the lust, anger, enviness, envy, bitterness, pride, self-confidence, self-reliance, it's all got to be put aside. If I'm going to go to His presence, there can be no sin in my life. It doesn't mean I'm sinless. Please don't get me wrong. Paul said, the good that I would, that I do not, the evil that I would not, that I do, please deliver me from this body of death. He understood that his flesh was going to fail, and yours will too. But when I go before his presence, I go in humility and I say, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Cleanse me from my iniquity. Purge me with hyssop, it says in Psalms 51. So I can come into your presence with my heart clean. That there will be no bitterness, no anger, no envy, no self-reliance, no pride. The list can go on and on and on. No lust of the flesh controlling me. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. You say, I haven't had that sound mind. I haven't had the peace that comes in His presence. Well, maybe there's sin in your life you need to let go of. Maybe there's some self-reliance that you need to let go of. Some pride. Boy, we are proud in America. Proud of what we can do. Proud of, proud of who we are. You are just a sinner saved by grace. That's all we are. Chapter 7, verse 1 says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Reverence to Him causes holiness. Desiring to be in His presence, I will purify myself so I can go and stand in His presence, so that I can have the spirit of power. Confidence in Him, having a sound mind, not worried, not scared, not on shaky ground. I have to do it with a clean heart. Take care of this pride in our lives. Take care of the selfishness. He also says to have a clean life, back in verse 23 of our text, and our bodies washed with pure water. Clean hearts and clean lives. A life that is above reproach. We see the inside in this verse, and I can't see what's in your heart. But I can observe your lifestyle. The world can too. And Christian, we're to be above reproach. Go with me to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verses 4 through 17. says, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Do you adorn the doctrine of God, your Savior, in all things, in your lifestyle? Do you make it shine? Does your, is your life such an example that they see the doctrine of God? The influence of His Spirit moving in your life? For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, 
teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. <laughs> that means right now, today. Doesn't matter what happens outside of these doors in your life, you're to live soberly, righteously, and godly. Holy. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and, might, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Walk into His presence with a life that is clean by the power of God. Let us draw near. Then He says, let us hold fast. Verse 23. My second point, let us hold. Let us hold. Hold fast. It means to have a grip on it. Have a grip on it. It's a death grip. This is, this is important to you. I saw a video of a couple guys going paragliding. I believe it's called paragliding. They, they ran down a hill and went off into, into the air there. And the guy said, the, put it on, he said, look at this. And he showed his back and he was not tied on. They forgot to hook his harness to the, to the frame of that, those wings, whatever you want to call it. And so as he takes off, he realizes, uh-oh, he's holding the bar with this hand, and he's holding the other guy's leg with this arm. It's a crazy video to watch because it lasts a couple minutes as they are way out over the air, uh, over the ground. They come off over, these, over some timber and they turn and go down another hill and down into a valley and they finally land. He drops probably six feet to the ground and rolls. And I don't know how many injuries he had, but he lived through it. And I looked at it and I was like, that is a great example of holding fast. His life depended on it. He's several hundred feet in the air hanging on this hand. But that's what it means to hold fast. Do we hold on to God like our life depends upon it? Is it a death grip on that bar? When we know that our life depends upon things, we can do stuff. <laughs> God will give you strength to do things you can't do otherwise. The human body does crazy things. That guy couldn't have hung by one hand for that long in a normal situation. I watched that and I thought, he's going to fall at any point. Because the grip is just going to wear out, but not when his life depended upon it. This is, this is holding fast. Do we hold fast to our faith? Hold fast to that faith, to what brought you here. Don't let anything shake it. Don't let anything take it away. Psalms chapter 31. <coughs> Psalms chapter 31, verse 19, 19 through 24. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. 
that thou, or thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he hath showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplications when I cried unto thee. O love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. All ye that hope in the Lord, all you that hold fast to your faith, he's going to strengthen you. He's going to keep you. He's going to watch over you. It says, hold fast in your faith. And that verse says, for he is faithful that promised. For he is faithful that promised. I can't say it enough. My faith is in Almighty God. The source of all power. The source of all power. These guys, when they need help, who do they turn to? When they're scared, they run to mom or they run to dad. It's their security because they, they view us as the source of strength. They turn to us and they come to us when they need help. My God is the creator of all things. We sat and we watched the northern lights Tuesday night. It stretched from one horizon to the next. And it's these just vapors of gas, really, that reflect light. And they're dancing up in the sky. It's an amazing thing to sit there and watch. And I was watching and I think, God did that with a word. With a word he did that. You know, when we have a thunderstorm roll through, there is more power in one gigantic thunderstorm than all of mankind has ever generated on this earth. Consider that. We have nuclear power. We think the A-bomb is pretty impressive. I guess it is. But God can create more power in one storm than we've created in 6,000 years. So when I go to His presence in faith, that's who I'm walking to. That's why there's that spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Because the source of all power is my Father. I can hold fast because of who He is. I can hold fast because He never changes. Never changes We want to make Him who we want Him to be. He's been the same for all of eternity, and He will be for all of eternity to come. The same all-powerful God. It says, without doubt. Nothing without wavering, it says in verse 23. Without doubt. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says this. Hebrews 13, 5 Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Our relationships in this life change, don't they? We're not guaranteed that all of us will be here tomorrow. We're not guaranteed that something might happen and cause a rift between a relationship. I pray it doesn't. But these things happen in this life. God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Constant, unchanging relationship. That power is always there. 
Hold fast to your faith. Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43, 1 through 5. <clears throat> I love this passage. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel. I could say this morning, he that created you, Victory Baptist Church, he that formed you, he made each and every one of us. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. <laughs> Almighty God just said that. When he created you and he redeemed you, you are now his. He calls you by his name. You are his. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia, and see before thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee, and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the west and gather thee, or from the east and gather thee from the west. And we'll stop right there. He says, fear not, for I am with thee. Hold fast to that faith. Nothing wavering. God never changes and never leaves. I can hold on and know that He's always, always going to be the same. His love is unconditional. His mercy is new every morning. His presence is always there. Hold fast then. Doubt comes from Satan. Wavering comes from self-confidence. It comes from looking at my surroundings and getting my eyes off of God. Then comes fear. Has no place in the presence of God. One more verse, Exodus chapter 33. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 33, verse 14. Just short little verse. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. In the presence of God there is strength. In the presence of God there is fullness of joy. In the presence of God there is rest. There is rest. When you go on vacation, it takes the first couple days home to rest. <laughs> you need some rest. Spiritually speaking, we are in a battle every single day of our life. We wrestle against, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, the, the powers of the darkness of this present world. And that battle is unending. And physically or spiritually we can be worn down, but in His presence there is rest. Hold fast to that. Don't go looking for your rest somewhere else. Hang on to God. My faith is where my rest is. It's where my strength is. It's where my joy is. Let's hold fast to this. And then lastly, we're to, told to let us draw near, let us hold fast, and then let us consider. Consider one another, verse 24. I was looking at this and I, I looked up the meaning of consider. And uh, it means, in this context, to fully observe. Observe fully. Now, let us consider one another. Elizabeth and I were talking about this on the way into town. That's a little uncomfortable. <laughs> to be observed fully. What does that mean exactly, though? 
It means I need to know each and every one of you. And you need to know each other. We need to know one another well. To observe one another. Spend time with one another. Get to know our weaknesses and our strengths. The Bible says that we're to confess our sins one to another. That we are to be open and, and, and transparent to each other here. We're a family. As Victory Baptist Church, this is, this is a family that God has put together. So I'm to consider you fully. I'm to know you well. That takes, that takes love on the, person, the individual that's looking, and it takes humility on the one that's being observed. Because I don't want you to know everything about me. I don't want you to know with all the struggles that I go through. Because my pride says, well, they're going to look down upon me then. They're going to think less of me. Whereas if we're walking with God, when we observe the weaknesses, we pray for one another. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man then availeth much. We consider one another, and it says to, to two things. First of all, to love. Consider one another to provoke unto love. To provoke, to incite we see, we see things provoking riots around our country, and thankfully it's quieted down a little bit. But that's, that's what it means. It's like this incitement that I've, that I've kindled a fire in your heart that you've got to do something. But this is to love one another, to provoke to love one another, to love God. So as we're together, as we're observing one another fully, we should be speaking of Him. We should be focused on Him. We should be drawing one another to Christ. To a greater, greater knowledge of Him which will only and always result in a greater love for Him. To love one another. Do you, do you provoke the others around you to love each and every one of us? So I can't gossip about you then. I can't pound, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not to set out and say, well, they did this to me. Look what they did. Did you see how they were dressed? All of the negative things that come out of our mouth, that is not provoking unto love. That's going exactly in the opposite direction. It says to consider one another, to observe fully. Why? To provoke unto love. So that I care for you in a greater way. And those that I'm around, I can provoke them to care for you in a greater way. To love one another. Do we provoke one another to love the lost? You know, one great way of doing that is getting together and praying. If we would corporately pray for the lost, we'll provoke one another to love the lost. I find in my own life so many times, I'm just calloused towards them. They've made their bed, let them sleep in it. It's the way we think most of the time. As a church here together, we are to be provoking one another to love them. To have compassion on them every day of my life. So we need to pray together. Spend time going out and reaching out to them. Come on Saturdays, get in on outreach. It's provoking one another to love the lost. It'll provoke us to love the Lord and each other too. It says, to provoke unto love, 
and unto good works. To good works. Encourage one another to do the right thing. There's so many things around us encouraging us to go off and do the wrong. Right? If you were to sit down and watch a football game this afternoon, you'll see advertisements for all kinds of things that are wrong. And they're going to be bombarding you with alcohol commercials. They're going to be bombarding you with alternative lifestyles. It's disgusting to me to watch commercials anymore. Because they have to be politically correct. All these corporations have given in to the politically correct culture. And so they're throwing sin in our face. And throwing sin in our face. So we're provoked by the world to do anything but serve God. What we need to be is together to provoke unto good works. To encourage one another. Stick with it. You had a difficult week this week. We'll pray for you. But stick with it. That's why we have the next verse, the pastor's favorite verse in the Bible. <laughs> it says, not forsaking, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, as some people are doing, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. I say it's the pastor's favorite verse, and many times it's selfishly because we want to look out and see a full, full audience. It, it kind of boosts our ego a little bit. But it ought to grieve us, each and every one of us, not just me, each and every one of us, if we know that people are intentionally not coming. Our place is here. Why? Because I'm to provoke one another... I'm to provoke you unto love and unto good works. To edify one another, to lift you up. I, I know that we come hoping to, that the Lord will speak to our hearts. And that is a motive. That's a right motive to come to church. But it ought to be third on your list. Number one, your, your motive for being here this morning is because you love God and you want to glorify Him. That should be your motive in everything that we do. All to the glory of God. Secondly, my motive should be, I want to be here because of you. I want to be here to edify, to encourage, to lift up my fellow brother and sister in Christ. Because out in this world we're bombarded by ungodliness, by doubts, by fears, by all that Satan can throw at us. What we need is to be together and edify one another. My second motive should always be those around me. My third and final motive should be that God speak to my heart. Listen, I know by the power, by the uh, promises in the Word of God that if I come seeking His glory and I come seeking to edify you, that He will always speak to me. That I will always be lifted up. My life will always be blessed in those things. I don't have to worry about me. God said He'll supply all my needs if I seek those things that are heavenly. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much more as you see the day approaching, every time the doors are open, I'm going to endeavor to be here. Not because I'm the one speaking, although that is another motive. I miss, they'll fire me. But because it is where God's church meets. It's where we come together to edify one another, to worship Him together. God instituted the local church 
It, it, it is His institution for this day and age. It is where the authority and power of God rests. It's in the local church. So the more we see wickedness around us, the closer we get to the second coming of the Lord. We know it's soon. We don't know the day, but we know it's coming quickly. It says, the more I ought to be here with my brothers and sisters, with with Victory Baptist Church, the family that God has put together right here. And nothing can take priority over that. There should be no sporting event ever take priority over church attendance. I I remember as a little kid, I, I loved Little League Baseball. I still love to play baseball. And it was becoming my passion. I wanted to be a pitcher. I got to do some pitching practice. And I thought in my own little grandiose mind that I was going to be a good pitcher. I had this idea in my head. And I, and I went to pitching practice. And the first three years of Little League, they did it on Saturdays and Thursday nights. So we could go. We could go to all the practices. We could go to all the games. And I loved it. The next step up, when I got in the next... Uh, year older, I went up went into what was called the Bambino League. Well, Bambino League had games on Wednesday nights. Practices on, maybe it was practices on Wednesday nights and games on Saturdays. My dad said, sorry, you're not playing baseball this year. Now, I wanted to really bad, and I thought, well, that's not fair. That I don't get to go play baseball anymore. I, I'm, I'm getting good at this game. I look back on it, and Dad's priorities were correct. I'm so thankful that we were in church every time the doors were open. We drove 65 miles one way to go to church, and nothing stopped us. Unless the roads were closed and we could not get up the interstate, we were in church. Wednesday nights, Sundays, morning, evening, every service. Special meetings, we would make the trip every day. Why? Because my dad and I firmly believe that we ought to be together every time the doors are open. Because I'm here to edify you. I'm here to glorify God and I'm here to lift you up. And it is no sacrifice then to serve God. We've gotten away from this idea that getting together is important. It's one of the biggest drawbacks to having our, our services live streamed. I'm thankful that we're on live stream for those that are homebound and can't be here this morning. But if you're listening to my voice on live stream and you should be here today, it's not right for you to be home. You're failing your brothers and sisters in Christ if you can be here and you don't come. He says, let us consider one another. That means I care about you. That means I'm not worried about my own needs or my own thoughts or my own cares. I'm concerned about you. Let me consider you to provoke you unto love and unto good works. Because I have access to the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ, I am to draw near with a true heart of faith. My hands, I mean my heart sprinkled and my body washed. I am to enter into His presence clean. I am to hold fast to my faith Nothing wavering. With a death grip, you can't change my faith. The things that come into my life will not change my faith. He's still the same. And then I'm to consider each and every one of you. 
What are your needs? How can I meet your needs today? How can I provoke you to love the Lord and to do good works? I don't know what's in your heart this morning. I don't know how the Holy Spirit's talking to you. Maybe there's, maybe there's some pride in your life. Maybe there's some doubt in your life. Maybe there's some bitterness in your life that is keeping you from the presence of God. Maybe that's selfishness. I don't know what's going on, and it's not my job to know those things. God gave me this message this morning for each and every one of us. So let's allow Him to work, and let's, let's take care of those things if there's something in our heart this morning. Let's pray. Father, I praise You for Your Word. I praise You for Your mercy and Your grace in our life. I just want to thank You for this church and, the, and each and every one, Father. You said You will build this house, and we trust You for that, and we praise You for that. praise You for each and every one. Lord, I I know that you gave me this message this morning for a reason. Lord, help us to apply it to our lives. Father, not to to look around and, and, and say, well, this was a great message for that one over there. But Lord, to be humble before you this morning and allow your spirit to work in each life. Father, that we can be in your presence. We can have a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let's work in this time of invitation. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed.